As always, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Hey, this is the last week of January next month. February Budget Blinds will be donating $1 for every blind sold. Starting in February, Budget Blinds will be donating $1 for every blind sold to the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And Jason, just like all of us, they're doing this because they have a connection. We all know somebody who has battled, maybe even lost, their fights with cancer. For the Stoddards, the family that owns Budget Blinds here in Lee Summit, it's a personal thing for them. The founder of the store, Randy Guthrie, he died within six months of his diagnosis with pancreatic cancer. As usual, Budget Blinds coming through to do good stuff in addition to encouraging you to shop their very fine store, Serving their very fine blinds with their very good customer service. There you go. Head down to Budget Blinds of Lee Summit right on Main Street in downtown Lee Summit. Tell them Jason and Nick sent you. And buy a bunch of blinds. Hello again and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I'm Jason Norbury and as always I'm joined by a man who used to believe in Santa and now he believes in Patrick Mahomes. It's Nick Magic Parker. Magic Mahomes, baby. The publisher of Link to Lee Summit, the source for all the news you need about this very fine city. Our unofficial sponsor today is my right eye. And I have learned so much more about my right eye and its function today than I knew yesterday. I may or may not have had a visit to the eye doctor this morning. Well, I was going to ask if it was either eye doctor or is that just a new way of you're giving somebody the side eye? No, no. It's, it's, I'm, now I'm giving you the right eye. Although apparently it doesn't work as well as it once did. So Jason's going blind. I love it. Now, yeah. on with the show. With the show! Jason, right now, as we speak, as we record, right before City Council, they're going to be talking about the Alera project. This is a housing project over on the west side of town. There's a little bit of controversy surrounding it. We're going to get to that a little later. But Jason, right now, let's write down what is this project. All right. So the project is a project that came through the planning commission a few weeks ago. It is a single family housing project. Um, it's being done a little bit unusually. Typically in Lee Summit, in the history of Lee Summit, the single family homes are done on big, you know, quarter-ish acre lots, 50 to 70 feet of frontage on the street. These are being done on much smaller lots. Um, some as little as 38 to 50 feet is the typical range in this particular development. So they're smart, smaller pieces of land, and the houses are being built sort of to fill the black with smaller setbacks. So they're going to be closer to the side edges and the front and the back of these lots in an effort to make the homes buildable at a price that the builder says are compatible with what they're going to call, I'm going to use the air quotes here, starter homes in Lee Summit. And that means that, and so just to give you a basic idea, in the last year or so, the average home sale price for a new built home in Lee Summit is like $350,000, $375,000. So a pretty high-end product. These Can I just be, jump in and say, I'm old and the term starter home is a lot different now than it was when I bought my first home. Well, so we're starting incomes, I would imagine, are a lot different now than when you started, Mr. Newspaper Guy, uh, back in the day. You weren't, you didn't, you didn't jump into exactly what we call the most lucrative profession out of college either. What? I know. What? Who knew? Hey, Who knew? being a sports guy pays a lot. Oh, wait. 
No, it doesn't. No. Not even the social cache. No, it didn't. So, all right. So these homes are designed to go between, as the, the you'll hear in their presentation, two hundred dollars to $250,000, which, yeah, by old cheap guy's definition, seems a long way from the $53,000 house I bought as a starter home when I was uh, in law school. But um, still, I guess in this market, it's a lot cheaper and a lot closer to the average home sale price in the city for for what I call, you know, used homes or already owned homes, which is about one hundred dollars to $200,000. So it keeps it much closer to that middle market and allows a different segment of people to buy a new home, which is something that's popular. To build these homes, though, Jason, I think one of the reasons this is before City Council now is they're going to have to alter or I guess get permission to, to go against some of our set codes. Is that correct? Yes and no. What they really are doing is they're using a, um, they're using the, what's called the RP3 zoning for that, which is zoning for uh, like duplex, fourplex quality or quantity of home or density of home. It's not the most dense, like what we call RP4, which is the, like for apartment buildings, but it is a more dense. So in theory, you could do that. Now, the way this works, because Lee Summit is a planned development community, that means that the applicant has to come in with a plan that says, we're going to build this thing, right? And that includes building sizes and setbacks and all these other rules that are in there. And and so even though theoretically the, those rules are allowable, I mean, you could theoretically on the ground as zoned build a fourplex. Um, because the plan is going to be filed in the way it is, only what they're putting in the plan can be built unless they come back through for a whole nother segment. So I think that there's some, you know, I think there's some apprehension and some misunderstanding about what this development is and what it really looks like. Um, and I can certainly understand it's a different, it's a new product. The, the elevations they show show a little bit more modern architecture and, and style pieces on it than what we see in our traditional subdivisions. And so it's something that can just raise a little bit of concern. Uh, but I think from what I've seen out in there, there's a lot of the conversation doesn't really understand what is actually being proposed. And they are conflating it in some ways with the proposed Artisan Point apartment complexes that had came through the Planning Commission several months ago um, that proposed apartments at 50 and Blackwell. This is a single family thing that's down at Pryor and 150. Jason, what would be, I guess, the best example of similar, something similar to this in Lee Summit? Has there been a development similar to what this is? Not really. The closest you would get is some of the long, some of the developments, the new urbanist style stuff in Longview, um, where they, they've set the the setbacks a little bit closer together, um, although those were different because they have like rear entry garages and some other things, but that it's closer to that. In all honesty, it really very much in a lot of ways resembles, now I, working in Kansas City, Kansas, now I can use this, it's very similar in a lot of ways to what you see in the Strawberry Hill neighborhood, uh, and those are 100-year-old homes, and it's a 100-plus-year-old neighborhood, but it's similar to those. They're narrower lots. The houses fill up a lot of the lot. There's, you know, it, and it's that kind of an architecture, but with a modern twist on the style. Okay. Well, thank you for that. We're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to dig into a little bit more of some of the controversy surrounding this project and a couple other issues in town. Ryan, I am on week two of the Shred Meal Plan. I got to tell you, 
there was a day in week one, a little bit hard. Yep. A little bit hard. Week two, I'm flying. It's not that bad. Yep. How are you feeling? A little better. Yeah. A little better. Well, you know, the broken arm. Yeah. Eh, kind of, that, that, wasn't it, that wasn't the great start. That was not in the plan. No. You didn't tell me that was coming. No. <laughs> no, I didn't know you were going to fall. We're going to work on that coordination a little bit, brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, look, Shred KC sounds awesome. I'm not sure if you can fix genetics. Uh, no, no. Oh, well, we can try. <laughs> we, we can try, try to outsmart them. Yep. Well, look, you put me on this this crazy kind of shock the system plan. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that and tell us why you're doing that the first four weeks. Why is that important? So the first four weeks, I put you on a lower carb diet. It's not a true keto, so it's just a really low carb diet uh, and lower calorie. So I'm going to shock your system. Lots of veggies that I'm sure you're not used to pulling out a lot of the carbs the high look my problem is not the lack of lots of anything yeah it's 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 cutting everything that's down. right yep i cut the carbs i cut the booze i up the protein and up the fats for you so we're gonna do that for four weeks get some quick weight off of you and then we're gonna add some back and some carbs when do tacos get into the shred meal plan um your cheat meal yeah I but you don't you don't you haven't earned one i haven't earned that yet yeah, no. <laughs> i haven't earned that yet nope <laughs> not yet Tell us a little about about how these meal plans work, and so you, you're going to have this shock kind of shock diet mm-hmm. there the first four weeks. But then, what kind of balance are you looking for with clients after that? So, everybody, when I tell everybody this when they come in with the meal plan, I'm going to cut you pretty hard at first, get some weight off of you, and then I will add back in calories. And in all reality, as you lose weight and as we speed up your metabolism, I should be feeding you more while you're continuing to lose weight, and you should be hungry as I'm feeding you more. That's what we really want. But you have to follow the plan and we have to add back in calories slow. Um, I mean, as long as you're following the plan, then you can relate with me and you can tell me this is how you're feeling, this is what the scale's doing. But you know, if you're not following the plan, then I don't know if you're you're doing it right or if you're sneaking whiskey or <laughs> whatever you might be doing. I, I, I'm not sneaking the booze. I will I will say this, I have one good bottle of, of something. Mm-hmm. I, I left that out. Yep. It's like my target. That's right. I get through snifter yep and you're practicing willpower not to go drink that whiskey i'm practicing willpower what's next to go along with eating healthy well once we get your arm fixed we got to add in some 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 exercise so get your wife working out get you on the treadmill with your broken arm i can get on the treadmill i don't need my arm for that i know i I know i know we need to get you on the treadmill while she's working out all right well there we go that's the next phase all right i'm on week two you're gonna keep me honest we're gonna keep doing this every week so everybody's gonna know how good or bad i do that's right Ryan, ShredKC, where do they go? ShredKC.com. Now that we've caught up, Jason, on on what the Alara project is, I want to switch gears a little bit. We mentioned that there was was some controversy surrounding that. There has been other controversy surrounding things with our school district, whether it's the the recently phase one look at the uh, facilities master plan, whether it's talking about the mission of equity at the school district level, whether at the city level we're talking about housing and multifamily housing. There's been a lot of that. And we're getting ready to have a bigger, broader community conversation. We had the city manager, Steve Arbo, on last week to talk about this. We're getting ready to talk about who we want to be. What do we want our community to look like, to feel like, to be like in the future? This is the strategic planning process that we've been talking about. So as we get ready for this big conversation, Jason, I think it is important that we take a pause and we look at how we've been talking about these things lately. And they're hard topics. 
talking about gaps in education, whether it's through race or economics or both, talking about housing and how we're going to include people as the city continues to grow. We've seen enormous growth over the last 20 years and we're not slowing down. So I think it's important that we take a breath and we look at how we're talking about it because I think, Jason, once again, if you look at the tone and the tenor and sometimes or oftentimes lack of context in our public conversations, we're not really having the hard conversations or if we are, we're not doing it well. Right. I think, okay, so we're going to, I want to start a little bit broader and then we'll, I think we'll, we'll dive in and I'm going to pull out my soapbox and, and go, go wander for a bit. But let's start with the broader thing. I think that there's something that there was a, some comments on social media I saw lately that really brought the, the following phrase to mind. There's a difference between being heard in a conversation and getting your way. So, Let's take city council, for example. So I'm not going to use myself on planning commission, but city council, for example. If you go and you feel strongly about an issue that's up in front for a public hearing or you have it in public comment, you can call your council members, you can send them emails, you can go to the council meetings and speak on the record, and you can give forth your viewpoint on a thing that you may feel very, very strongly about. You may have five people come with you to do the same thing. The council members will hear you especially of, of all the entities, like public entities in this city, the city council is by far, I think, the most sensitive to public pressure and public criticism, but they are going to hear you. But you might not win. And I think there are a lot of people that get confused. I'm going to jump in. I'm okay. going to jump in right there because I, the use of the word win there bothers me. Well, I, that, that was the kind of the point. These things aren't win-lose situations, and I think that we often find ourselves, and this is I'm, I'm going to say this once and then get away from it because I don't want to get into the national-level politics stuff, but I think we've gotten into this mindset of there are winners and there are losers. And when we're talking about planning for our, our, our community's future, there are, isn't a lot of that. It's a, it's a big gray area, and it's also a pretty broad topic. So I think we need to know that you're going to – Having your voice heard leads to other conversations and decisions that are made based on a little from this over here, a little from that over there. And it's not going to be person A's point of view versus person B's point of view and one or the other. Right. That, that is not the kind of thing we're talking about. No, and it's not to say, but I think people conflate that. That's the thing is if they don't, if, the, if their viewpoint isn't directly given way in the outcome of whatever conversation it is, whether it's as simple as talking at a city council meeting or as broad and complex as being part of a city's strategic planning efforts. Or, you know, I, I have often joked that if everybody just believed like I did, we'd be everything would be great, right? But that's not how that works. And I don't want to live in a world where everybody thinks exactly like I did. I've spent enough time inside my head. I don't need to do it all the time. Jason? Yes. Your head is scary. It is. It's a little You and spooky. I have done this for for a couple of years now. Your 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 headspace is a scary, scary space. It, there be dragons. There be <laughs> dragons. Anyway, so you're so in this conversation, your voice is gonna go in and it's gonna it's gonna maybe shift the big boat of a strategic plan, for instance, 
maybe it'll shift it a little bit. You may may not shift it at all. There may be enough weight on the other side that yours doesn't end up really having an output. But as you put that in, in all of those places, it has an impact. And, and we often talk about trusting the process as we go through this. And so one of the things that I think we, we miss out here is that the process by itself, in and of itself, by engaging honestly in the process of making these decisions, by having these conversations, that's where the good stuff happens. Even if you may not feel great about the or completely agree or even entirely agree with the outcome of it, when you are in the world, in public, in community with others, literally in this case, in a community with other 97 or 100,000 other people, your voice counts, but it's not the only voice that's heard. And sometimes those things, those tensions need to get worked out. And But then once you go through that process, you it, it is almost always to the benefit and people should feel better about the outcome if they understand where the process is and the interests that kind of go into it and come out there. And what I'm seeing a lot of times uh, is that people are very frustrated by, you know, I didn't get the thing I wanted out of the deal. And so therefore the whole thing was flawed. And, and that's a real difficult thing to, to really hatch out. Well, let me, let me ask, ask this question from your perspective. Are people getting the opportunities to and here I'm I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it Jason I'm gonna pull out the air quotes. Are people getting the appropriate opportunities to have a seat at the table? I want to say generally speaking, we do a pretty good job over here. Once again, there are a hundred thousand people at the table or in the community, and so your seat at the table, individual person Nick Parker is not going to be so important or so powerful that it's going to drive the the outcome one direction or another all by itself. And so I think that that's where we get in. If we if we want we want a lot of say, you know, get involved with a small nonprofit organization and be involved with their board. You can be right there in the ground and make real live decisions that have a real impact on people and this community in a very, very direct way. But when we're talking about a whole community conversation, whether it's the city or the R7 school district or, you know, planning and development or whatever topic we want to talk about, you, you have to have a little bit of an adjustment in what you think, you know, where, where people really have an exit. I honestly, in these sorts of things, I try to take a very much of a backseat because I always feel like as somebody who's on the planning commission and been involved in all these other things, I get enough voice from day to day. My opinion carries, you know, I won't say a disproportionate amount of weight, but a pretty significant amount of, of weight in those planning decisions that come through there. And so when it's time to hear what the community wants, I want to sit back and listen to what they want so that it does impact or can impact where we go. And so if the community says, you know, I want X very, very strongly – and even if I don't necessarily agree with X, that's what the community wants. We should probably see what we can do to give that to them. But on the flip side, if it's, you know, if there's a lot of conversation, then, you know, as elected representatives or appointed representatives, then we have a, a, a duty to guide in that way and deal with that. But those voices are still really, really important. How do how do I, if 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 I'm someone listening to this, if I'm someone in the public that that is worked up that is that has a definite thing to say 
about whether it's a specific project or whether it's about the future planning of our community. How do we make sure that people are still enthusiastic about joining in if you just said you're, you might not get your way? Well, you know, it, that's the, I think it's the nature of the beast that you might not get your way. I mean, and if you are, feel that strongly about not getting your way, we have elected officials. And you can, you know, work to elect different officials. You can run for that position yourself if you're crazy. And uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want that job. No, I don't either. I well, I like being married, so I don't want that job either. So, but the the point being is that you know, if you feel that strongly, there are ways to increase your input and increase your voice in that process to to get people to, just running on and using a platform of a campaign for an office to talk about a topic can impact that topic. We see it in these big level things where we people run insurgent primary campaigns or something like that that has a shift in the way that policy outcomes for a political party or a subdivision or you know or a city a political subdivision uh, are handled or thought about in that way. I mean I would say, you know, in Lee Summit the most recent example is the represented you know, the unions, the police union and the fire union used their political power to really influence the decisions that a that the city made and the topics that we talked about. I mean, you and I, that we talked about for months at a stretch. That kind of a political power is something that can be used. Now, there's argument about whether that conversation was healthy or not, but those are ways to go into that conversation if you feel very, very strongly about something to really use influence to, to put your viewpoint. And we, you know, in the end, there is now a new compensation plan. It's not complete. And the collective bargaining stuff is still ongoing, although I honestly consider it always ongoing. Um, and I know that there's conversations about that, but those are going on. And the influence of that had an impact on the election, has certainly had an impact on what we talked about in the election, even though it wasn't necessarily the number one priority for everybody in the community. Okay, I think that's a good broad brush, high level look at, at, at tone, tenor, context, how we're having some of these conversations. Jason, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I, you have expressed to me some very pointed opinions. I know people are going to be shocked. Yeah, everybody, shocked, I everybody tell you. put down your drink and sit, sit quietly so that you can handle the shock of what's about to come. You have opinions. One of, and I, I kind of want to, I want to poke you a little bit, and, and I want to get your your perspective and context on this. You feel like some of our our conversations that people are having in small groups or on social media about some of these difficult things, housing, economics, even race, the equity, all of the encompassing things with equity mission at, at the school district. You feel like. Really, these conversations are more of avoidance of the hard conversation. And so I really want to know, and I think I think it is beneficial even if you would give your perspective on, on what you meant by that. Okay. So I, let me make sure I, I stated it clearly from my mouth and not yours so that people are not putting words in your mouth or mine. Um, yes, because I'm usually as quiet as you are. Right. Well – you you are a professional newsman and and pr try to not always wander off into rantsville and i and often keep me from going that same direction i so. don't i don't think this is going to be a rant at least i'm i'm 
not expecting one. I, I really think this is a, a good way for someone like you who is involved and and, and stays up on things going on to, to say, I feel like we're not actually having this conversation. That, that was a, a, a pointed remark, one that kind of caught my attention. And so that's why I think it might be beneficial to everyone to come forward and say, I feel like we haven't had this conversation. And here's what I think we ought to be talking All about. All right, fine. I'll start that direction. Okay, so let's, we'll start, let's start with um, – so my opinion is, is that we've had a couple of topics come up, and they end up circling around the same things, and that's, that's race and class or race and economics in the city. Whether they're exactly in the same points or not, but they, they do come and they, they walk into this field of, well, we talk about differences in Lee Summit, and, and let's put it all on the table. As a, gener- as a whole, we are a fairly homogenous, fairly wealthy community. So we are, and I'm going to put this in the bluntest terms possible right now, we are, by and in large, a community of rich white folk, okay? And as such, we are very lucky in the universe to be so. Um, and in the way our modern culture is, we are a very lucky city. We get along fairly well together. We have a lot of good public services, a lot of good just infrastructure, and the things in this city are very good. Referring back to our conversation last week with city manager Steve Arbo, a lot of stuff that's good. And it comes from a lot of the place of wealth, honestly, as much as anything else. In America, Wealth and race are tied together and it it gets very complicated and it's a very difficult subject for people to talk about. And it is difficult for people to talk about, I think, because people don't want to be seen as racist or classist or anyist in that regard, right? People don't want to think of themselves this way and people don't want to deal with that. So we end up, what we happen is... For instance, and this is, I think, the, the, the first example that uh, this in the recent last couple of years that we've had. The cities commissioned a study for multifamily housing coming forth. And they put forth that, and you and I sat in, in your old studio in your former home, and we looked at that thing, and we broke it down, and we talked about, it was like we can, you know, and then the, we got a little bit of city council response of <laughs> about it, and conversation about it has disappeared what we've had instead is this patchwork approval of apartment complexes that have come through over the last couple years and maybe still coming through without any conversation as a community about is this what we want as a community do we want to be a community and and i'm going to try to pat phrase this in the most sort of vanilla way possible do we want to be a community that has that kind of diversity of housing stock and by extension, then provide the services necessary for the people who live in all these different kinds of houses. All right. Take with that what you will. Is that, is that the kind of conversation that is going to happen now in this, in this strategic process? I'm sorry, in the strategic planning process that is beginning? Is, is this the time and place? for that conversation. I think that that conversation will, let me rephrase, I think that topic will be discussed, but I don't know that they'll get to the depth of it or the community breadth of it because of we're trying to do, as we talked about, this is a, the strategic plan is not just about housing development or economic development. It's about all the things that the city does and is. And so I'm not sure that it's going to be a big focus. And I'm not even necessarily certain that the whole city needs to engage in a long topic about that, but it's something that the city council has never dealt with. And they, 
if they had come, if the city council had had an open and public conversation, public hearing or whatever, and they had come to the conclusion that, no, we really don't want to do apartments here. And either, you know, and they could, then the city staff could have made adjustments in the zoning. They could have not granted, you know, uh, variances off of the maximum zoning density for certain districts. They can do all kinds of different things that would have an impact going forth. Or they could have said, we're going to let the market decide. And that means we're not going to do this. So we're going to do that. Or we're going to do whatever. Or they could say, we want them all. And we're going to throw all the money at them. They could do any number of things, but they've never really had that conversation because we're kind of afraid of having that conversation because I don't think we want to make people mad and we certainly don't want to do that. Every time we come, it comes before the city, the planning commission, a multifamily development near a single family development, the arguments are the same every single time. We don't want apartment people and they have misconceptions about what people who live in apartments do or what they don't do. Some of them are, I'm going to say, incredibly prejudicial um, or very inflammatory and offensive in some circumstances. And I have had to call people down from the planning commission dais and say, you can't say that in this room. That's not okay. That's rare, but that's out there. And there's a lot of tension about that, but we've never had a conversation as a community about what that means. Why is that attention? What is it about that, that we do, we want this or we don't want this or what have you in the community? Well, let me ask, let me ask this question. And I've, I've asked this of other people, Around the community, and 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 I'm going to rarely do one of a rare thing here. I'm going to come out and, and and say a little opinion too. I tend to agree with you that there has been a lot of avoidance of hard questions and hard conversations. But let me ask this: How do we start that conversation for a community of people that is very set in a way we do things, and a community that? is pretty darn successful in the way we do things. This is a successful community. It has grown tremendously. We do a lot of things right in Lee Summit. How do we, if we're not doing it now, by your premise, if we're not doing it now, or if we are but not doing it successfully, how do we start and then how do we hold those com- those difficult conversations in meaningful and effective ways? All right. So let me roll this then into the school district. Um, since Dr. Carpenter has come on board, he has used this word equity. And from the moment he got on board, there has been this leaky echo in the background of, you know, this sort of, I'll call it snarky pejorative use of that word by people directed at Dr. Carpenter and what have you. And equity gets then gets loaded up with all these other things. And so this last fall or in the summer and the fall, the district, Dr. Carpenter was looking at bringing in a consultant to have a conversation and do some work surrounding the demonstrable fact Okay, that if you look at all the scores and all the things and all the stuff that goes through the the district, that students of color have worse performance in the schools when you control for everything else, economics, family status, all the various and sundry things that can be controlled for. When you do all of that, there is still a disparity in the outcomes for students of color and students not, of not or white students, essentially. That is an issue. Okay, now. The R7, we, the, the 
superintendent was hired and there was no like it wasn't like a secret thing i mean this was on his platform when he came in the door so i would assume it was on his platform when the school board made the decision to hire dennis carpenter that he wanted to do this he wanted to do this equity work he wanted to bring those close that gap raise those kids who are suffering in their performances up to the level that all of these other students enjoy and all we have developed as a community is that we, we complained about well, there was a big fight about who that consultant was and were they really good or did they have an agenda and all this side or the other. And we have this pro-Dr. Carpenter set of people with this anti-Dr. Carpenter and they're using Dr. Carpenter as a proxy for not wanting to have this conversation. Well, and so what I'm saying is, and this is where I want to get back to, is Dr. Carpenter is offering the conversation. He's offering the conversation. Here is this issue. Let's talk about it, and let's talk about what we as a community can do to make it better. I I think, and and I, I hope I am not reading outside. Hang on, let me say that again. Kind of a lot of editing. Yeah, but that's okay. You say that he is he's he's offering up the conversation. And I and I and I think I'm reading correctly responses from community, and that's 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 what I'm trying to trying to feedback here. And so I hope listeners will accept my apologies for trying to speak for them. Are those really overtures? Has he done enough to invite people into that conversation? Because there have been complaints about transparency and about opportunities to really discuss. Just by bringing it up, is that? Is that enough? I think it, it's the start. But the response, I think, from the community has been to focus on a lot of things that are outside of that as an effort. And, and I don't even necessarily – it's a conscious effort. So I don't want to say there's like a conspiracy of people out there that say we don't want to talk about race, so let's talk about everything else. And I'm going to say this from a personal experience. Making those first conversations, having that difficult conversation is saying that what you are doing right now is having this negative impact on a segment of people who don't deserve it is not a pleasant conversation to think to enter. It's painful, right? Nobody, as I said earlier, nobody wants to think that they're racist. And I don't want to accuse anyone in particular of being racist or classist or any other ist until they provide me evidence that that person is that thing. But the risk of doing that is difficult and it's a vulnerable conversation. So maybe Dr. Carpenter can find a way to create a space that is accommodating for that fear, but the people have to be willing to step through that to come to the table as well. And, and so perhaps it's both. And I don't, I don't want to get into a, who's doing a better job or, or worse job in that whole process. But I think that we as a community have not done a very good job of addressing these things. I don't think the city council has done a good a job of addressing the housing development question that lingers out there. And I don't think that the, the interests surrounding the school board and the school district have done a particularly good job of addressing this issue that I think is something that's of significant import to deal with as we go forth. And that's not to say, you know, there's just – America is structured as it is 
And those structures are not always advantageous to people of color. In fact, they're quite regularly disadvantageous to those people. And that's not saying that Nick Parker or Jason Norbury or any other individual in this community is doing something to keep others down. It's that, that maybe the system that we were born into, maybe this, the, the air we breathe has these issues and we need to, as a community, work to do that. But that's hard and it's painful at first. And we may get to the end. And this is the, this is the point I want to get to. It is possible to sit down at the table and have an honest discussion about race or housing policy and come to an end state that's not terribly different than where we are today, right? Maybe it's three minor tweaks that needs the community's blessing that will bring or radically close the racial disparity and outcomes in the district. Or maybe it's a communication that, hey, yes, it's city council doing it's fine, you know, ad hoc or whatever, go for it. You guys are fine on housing development. Those are fine. And so we may have this conversation and get to a spot where things are okay, but it's out there. That's still, that process is still worth a lot just because we chose that we entered into it as a community and we chose to go through it and we have an outcome at the end. I feel like, Jason, this is a, a starting point for us. Maybe you and I on this show, maybe we can try to continue this conversation. So I'm actually going to make a little request of listeners. What are questions, topics that we should be discussing? What are, what are the things about this issue, about talking about equity and talking about race with the school district? Where, where, where do you as listeners sit? What are things that maybe are bothering you? What are things that maybe are keeping you from entering in that conversation? How can we, Jason, how can you and I facilitate that conversation? That's, that's been on my mind for a while, and I don't know how to do it. And that's part of why I wanted you to kind of say what you had on your mind. And I'll be clear. I'm not sure I know either. I know that it takes the willingness to come into that conversation, and is if there's something that one side or the other can do to bring more in, we're all ears, man. I mean, if you have a, a something that works for Lee Summit, you know, it may not be applicable to every community in the world, but if it helps work in Lee Summit, let's fire it up. No, and my hope is maybe that by you just coming out here on a limb in a in a very public way, giving your opinion and your perspective, maybe that starts the conversation. Maybe this will start a better conversation. So I'm hoping that 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 people will will chime back in with us. Reach out to us on Facebook, Link to Lee Summit, Twitter at LS Town Hall. You can catch me, Nick, at LinkToLeeSummit.com. I want to hear more because I think I think this is a conversation that needs to happen. I think doing it through Facebook threads doesn't always lend itself to 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 the right conversation. And mainly because context doesn't work in Facebook. On comment threads, it just doesn't work. Context disappears. So so I'd like it if people reach out to us and maybe we can start facilitating better conversations. I, I'm all for that. That will wrap up our show for this week. Please subscribe every week. Lisa at Town Hall now coming at you three times every week. Monday News Link. Wednesday, Jason and I coming at you talking about the local issues and community politics and government. And then Friday Conversations some of the cool people we get to meet around the summit subscribe give us a rating we will talk to you all next week